Well, Merry Christmas. I laugh every time it says a ball of gas for some reason. I'm not, not sure why. I guess, I guess you did too. Uh, I'm John. I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark. And uh, man, I want to say Merry Christmas to you guys. What a, uh, how many of you got all of your presents purchased, wrapped, under the tree? How many of you overachievers out there? All right. Well, I have to confess, I told you last week I had not purchased one present as of last Sunday, and I have them all purchased now, ready to go. Hallelujah. Yeah. I, di- I didn't buy anybody anything, so. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I appreciate Allison. She shared that video, and uh, of course, she's just using it as a resource for you as parents and have conversations with your kids. And so I want to take the opportunity as you uh, watch that video to remind you that all of those videos, there's a series uh, there, uh, I think it's Jelly Telly, and there's about eight different videos that go through, through some of those uh, tough questions of, uh, that surround Christmas at times, and so a great teaching tool for you. If you're not already on Right Now Media, then you need to do that. You are not taking advantage of a resource that we're providing for you. It's free for you. You can download on your phone, your app, or your smart TV, and there's hundreds and hundreds of kids, teachable kids videos. And uh, so if you have not registered yet, or you're not sure how to register, then we're going to put an email on the screen here, and you can write it down real quickly, or you can take a picture of it real quickly. It's david at hbcfw.org. David is our associate pastor, and he's kind of the gatekeeper for that. So if you have not figured out how to be on Right Now Media, or you've never heard of it, but you would like to be a part of it, just shoot Dave an email and he'll let you know how uh, that works, all right? So, hey, turn with me to Luke. We're going to get to Luke chapter 1. We are in our fourth week of our Advent series. We're going to finish the chapter of Luke, and we're going to kind of use it as a springboard to get to the topic, the word for the day. And the word we want to talk about is love. And specifically, this word here is that love redeems, that love redeems. And so we've been on this journey for a few weeks. If maybe this is your first Sunday in our Advent season with us, Advent just means uh, arrival or a beginning or to come. And so the first Advent is what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the Advent or the arrival of Jesus, as, as uh, Stefan just mentioned. And so when we think about the arrival, we look back and we celebrate and we're grateful for Jesus' arrival and his first coming. But we're also anticipating and excited and looking forward to the second coming of Christ. And maybe I should put a disclaimer on that. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, then you should be anticipating and looking forward to the second advent of Christ. Because he's going to come and he's going to rapture all the believers to be with him in the air. And the scripture is, we will be with ever with God in the heavens. Are you looking forward to that day? And if you're not sure about that, then I hope by the end of this hour that you'll be sure about that. You'll be anticipating like I am. Now, I think we've got a few challenges in the room this morning. One is uh, I'm speaking, so that's just always a challenge. But number two is we uh, have all our kids in here. Uh, Kids, I I want you to pay attention for a second, and I'm going to say Merry Christmas, and I want you to say it back really loud. Are you guys, shake your head. You guys trying to make all the kids in here? All right. Merry Christmas. Wow, they are good, and, and so that's the second part of our challenge. The third part of that challenge is that we just gave them all milk and cookies. 
Like, we didn't really think through that real well. We should have given that when we sent them home to you. But, uh, but you know, we, we take a few weeks off at the end of the year, and it's kind of a family atmosphere here this morning. And so I know, parents, if you're stressed about your kids making noise, don't be, because we're going to anticipate that they're going to make a little bit of noise, all right? And so I'm going to try to get through this quickly, because the, the, the last challenge is, is that the Cowboys play at noon. So, Maybe. yeah, yeah. The, Game time is at noon. Whether they play or not remains to be seen. All right, so we, we, lit, we lit the first candle the first week, and we looked in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 20, 25. And if you remember, that first candle represented hope. And for 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they had not got a, re- a message from the Lord. And the, the last message they received is that anticipate there is going to be a coming. There is going to be a Messiah that's going to come, and, and he's going to set everything right. And so there's this anticipation building but along with 400 years of waiting, that many of the people of Israel had, not, had stopped anticipating the coming of Christ and, st- and fallen to this, what we would call hopelessness. There's been no message, no voice. God has been silent for 400 years. Along with that, in Luke chapter 1, we understand that we, we, we are introduced to two people, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they also had lost hope. Now, they... They were um, at least faithful to the Lord that they still anticipated God's first advent, but they had lost hope personally because it says there in the text they were well advanced in years. They were old people, okay? And, and I don't know what, oh, they don't give us a number, but that's what they said. He specifically said, I am old and my wife is well advanced in years. And we are past the age of having kids. My wife is barren. It was a reproach upon her. And they had lost hope. But God showed up, and when God shows up, he takes away the hope, right? When when God shows up, and so we made this statement just to kind of summarize it, to catch you up. The message of Christmas is sufficient to take care of any hopelessness of mankind. When Jesus shows up, he brings hope with him. The second candle we lit was, was the candle uh, that the, the, the angel talked about, and he came to Mary, and it was this candle of, of peace. And so you just, one after another, verse 25 ends with the angel leaving and have telling Zacharias and Elizabeth, and then verse 26 we see all of a sudden this new story, and, and, and another layer to the story really that the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child, and she has an obvious question like, I'm not married, how could I, have, how could I be pregnant? And the angel said, just like Elizabeth is pregnant, nothing is impossible with God. And, and so there in verse 38 of chapter 1, Mary basically says, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, whatever God wants for my life, I'm willing to do it. And don't you know that Mary had tons and tons of questions? Amen. Kids, how many of you out there like to ask the question, why? <laughs> can, can we just say why together? One, two, three. Why? How many parents do not like the question, Why? Why don't you like, no, I'm just kidding. Because. Yeah. I, I learned, uh, I should have learned my lesson. Uh, yesterday, uh, my wife handed me, uh, kids, this is, this is a, a privilege of getting old, right? So when you're an adult, you just get to open presents early. And my wife handed me this box under the, from under the tree yesterday, and she says, here, I want you to open your Christmas present early. And you know what I said to her? Why? I said, why? I'm like, why? And did I really need to ask why? Did Mary need to ask why? Yes, she did. <laughs> like, that's a big why. I set you up for that. I know. It's like this honest question. 
how, how is this possible? But she surrendered to God's will. And so what Mary told us is that even in, in, in tough circumstances, we can have peace. How can we have peace in difficult circumstances? Because my peace is not dependent on my circumstances. My peace is dependent on a person. And the person is Jesus. So maybe today you're struggling, and, and I want you to know that even in the midst of struggle, Jesus, when he shows up, he shatters hope, and he brings peace. That's the message of Christmas. Let's look at the, the third candle we looked at. We just continued walking through that story, and this third candle is, is the pink one here. And the pink one represents joy. And, and after uh, the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby, and, and also Elizabeth is going to have a baby, she immediately went to find her relative Elizabeth. Like, i got to talk to someone about this. Elizabeth is going to the same thing I'm going to. i, I got to talk to Elizabeth. And she shows up, and the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth and, and speaks confirmation into Mary's life that what the angel said is truly what's going to happen. And, and the promised one for 400 years of silence, that hope is gone. And, and the Prince of Peace, Jesus, is it, you're the mom. The baby is in you. Remember what Elizabeth said? Who am I? How blessed am I that I get to worship my Lord? That the mother of my Lord would come into my presence is what she said. And so we understand that, again, when joy... Well, I like this statement. We, we kind of landed on this last week. Uh, our joy is in direct proportion to how much we know and how much we believe about God. Think about that for a moment. Our joy is dependent on how much we know and how much we believe about God. And so what I want you to know is that, listen, God, if you read that, we're not going to take time to read it this morning, but in verses 46 through 56 there of Luke chapter 1, it's a song called the Magnificat. And, and, and Mary writes this song after she experiences that I'm, I'm going I'm to give birth to Jesus the Messiah, this promised one. And she writes this praise and, and really could summarize in, in, in really two recognitions that she recognized that, that God is God. In other words, God has all power. And not only is God God, but God is good. So if God was all powerful but not good, it would, he would cease to be God. But because God is all powerful and God is good, then we can have hope and we can have joy and we can have peace no matter what. No matter what our circumstances are. Which leads us to the fourth one, and I've asked uh, Riley, if Riley would come up and read for us today. And uh, Riley Higman, she's going to come on up. Thank you, Riley, for being willing. Riley's had an awesome year this year. This year, Riley gave her life to Christ. And then she went through, yeah, give her a hand. Give me a high five, Riley. Uh, she also went through our New Believers class, and she learned how to tell her story. And she told her story on video, and she got baptized. And what's really cool is that some, some adult at her school, randomly somehow, like, right, by circumstances, watched Riley's video on Facebook, and they showed up to church, and they gave their life to Christ. Isn't that awesome? And, yeah, good job, Riley. And next week, that lady's going to get baptized. All right, so, hey, here's, here's the encouragement from Riley this morning. Tell your story. Tell your story to someone. The most powerful tool that you have for God is to tell your story. I'm proud of you, Riley, for telling your story. Are you ready to read for us today? Yeah. Awesome. I'll be quiet and let you do it. Um, I thought you had to memorize for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. 
The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the things we get from Christmas. We will finish our Christmas treats, get bored with our Christmas toys, and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get from Christ this Christmas and always, hope, peace, joy, and love will go with us all our life. John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We light the angel candle for love. A candle is burning, a flame strong and sure, reminds us that God's love will always enter. Deep love like the ocean, steady as the tide, great love which comes with us with arms open wide. Very good, Riley. Would you guys give her a hand? Thank you, Riley. One more time. Awesome. Thank you, Riley. You can go back and sit down. Riley, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you. All the kids, man, they've done such a great job reading for us the last few weeks, haven't they? Uh, yeah, give them another hand. They've, they've been great. So we're going to light this last candle of joy. And, and uh, we're not going to take time to read the rest of this chapter, but I want to point out a few verses in here in chapter 1. Because the rest of the chapter is, is the, gives us the story of John, what was known as John the Baptist being born, the promise that, remember, Zacharias had given uh, from the angel, your, your son is going to be born, and he's like, whoa, I don't believe it. And, and for, for nine months, because Zacharias lacked faith, for nine months he's not been able to talk. And I don't know if his wife was happy about that or not. Uh, we won't go into debate on that. But the baby is born. They ask Elizabeth, what's the child's name going to be? And she says, John. He, and, and the crowd, I'm not sure why the crowd was there, but a crowd says, nobody in your family is named John. I think you should name him Zacharias. And she uh, said, no, his name's going to be John. Well, they don't believe her, so they go and ask. It says they make signs uh, to Zacharias because he can't talk. What's the baby's name supposed to be called? Give me a piece of paper and a pen, right? That's exactly how he said it. Uh, give me something to write on. And he writes out, his name will be John. And he listens and he obeys the voice of God through the angel. The baby's boy, the boy's name will be John. And immediately he can talk because he has faith and he's obeyed in faith what the angel has told him to do. So let's, let's pick up. Let's go ahead and read verse 67. Now the father, now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed are the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and, I want you to underline this next word, he has visited and redeemed his people. So Zacharias is prophesying about John and about Jesus to be born. Verse 69, and, he, and, has, and has raised up a horn, I would say this is another great word to underline, a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets who have been since the world began, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies. It's another great word to underline, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform his mercy. I would underline mercy, under, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we be delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. And so now he's speaking prophecy over his own son. 
For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. This was the reason John was born. This is the reason the angel came to, John, uh, to Zacharias and said, your, your wife is going to have a child. He's going to be the one that prepares the way for the one, right? He's the one to prepare the way for the one, for the Messiah, for Jesus. And, and, and Zacharias now, nine months not being able to, spot, to speak, speaks the prophecy, empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, this is the promised one who's going to point to the holy, righteous, King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, our Savior. How awesome is that? Then he goes on, verse 77, he's to give the knowledge of salvation of his people. Again, this is what John's uh, responsibility is by the remission of their sins. Again, pointing to Christ through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. We'll stop there for right now. And I want you to jump over to turn me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And we think about these words. So really just kind of a question this morning as we, as we get over and as you're turning to 1 John chapter 4. And we think about this prophecy that Zechariah speaks over his own son. That you're preparing the way for the one who will redeem us, the one who will save us, the one who will bring salvation, the one who will bring remission or forgiveness of sins. Jesus, the Messiah. So we celebrate this first Advent at Christmas, and, and the question I think we have to ask is that question. Kids, what's the, what's the one question? What's the word, right? Why? Why would Jesus come? Why do we celebrate Jesus? We kind of talked about that, why we do it on the 25th, but why did Jesus even come? Why was he born in a manger? Why did he come to the earth at all? And, and Zacharias, when he speaks the prophecy over his own son, gives us the answer. Jesus came, the reason we have Christmas, the reason we celebrate the first advent, is because Jesus came to redeem you. Jesus came to redeem me. Well, I think, as all good kids say, once the question is answered, it seems like there's another question to ask, Right? I mean, I, I think maybe we could still ask the question, yeah, but that doesn't really tell me why. I mean, that gives me the purpose of why he came, but still, why would he do that for me? I, I understand the purpose, so maybe the purpose that Jesus came, the answer is because he came to redeem me, but, but why me? The, next, the na- next question is answered simply by saying, not only did Jesus come to redeem you, but the reason he came to redeem you it's because he loves you. He loves you. Does, does that blow your mind this morning a little bit? Some of us have been in church a long time. And I think we need to be reminded that you don't deserve God's love. I need to be reminded sometimes I don't deserve God's love. Does anyone deserve God's love? No. God came to redeem us. Because he loves us. So we're going to try to answer the question in the next, you know, 15 minutes here about God's love. What is God's love and how can we define God's love? Um, so good luck, right? We're going to try to define that in 15 minutes. I'm going to show you how difficult this might be to define God's love. So here's what I want you to do first. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to say uh, God's love is, and I want you to just to give a definition, one word definition. Can you guys do that? We're going to do it out loud. 
and we're not going to go around the room and ask each person, okay? So on that, when, when I ask the question, God's love is, I want you to fill in that blank with one word. Are you, got, you guys got your word? Got it? Got it? All right. Give you a few more seconds. All right. God's love is? That's what I thought. Kind of confusing, right? Let's try it again. God's love is? Okay, I want you to think of a different word now. Think of a different word. We're going to do it again. God's love is? That's what it sounded like that time. So yesterday, I, I, uh, yesterday morning, I put this uh, question on Facebook. And again, this is just to illustrate how difficult this is going to be in the next few minutes to define God's love. Here, here's your answers you gave me on Facebook, all right? So see how fast you can read this morning. I see unconditional, unmeasurable, uncomprehending, the greatest gift, Jesus more than enough, endless, that's too long, inconceivable, unending, steadfast enough, perfect, all I need, forever, unfathomable, unchanging, immutable, extravagant, never-ending, undeserved, mind-blowing, my mind's blown right now, superficial, expedalidocious, amazing, infinite, for everyone, relentless, true, Merry Christmas, that wasn't the question, uh, unending, Jesus, uncountable, God, we love, everlasting love, amazing, eternal, Encompassing, sufficient, everlasting, consistent, never changing, and pure. So let's let's define it in four words this morning, all right? Are you guys ready to do this? Are you guys ready to do this? Thank you. The kids are ready. First John four, verse eight. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So there's a great understanding. God is love. God is not defined by love, but God does define love. Verse 9, in this the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son of the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is love, and God sent his Son to prove his love. I think love is hard to define because it seems so abstract, right? It seems hard to just, I mean... Especially in our culture, because uh, we, we say, I love Taco Casa. Somebody's excited over there about Taco Casa. All right. I love roses. I'm not talking about flowers, okay? Or flour tortillas, I guess. And, I, and in the same sense, I say, I, I love my wife. There should be a different kind and a greater love for your wife than Taco Casa. It shouldn't be debatable, okay? It shouldn't be debatable. Sometimes it is, but it shouldn't be. In fact, this week I had a, another outline prepared, and uh, as often as I do when, I, when I'm at the gym working out, I usually either listen to my YouVersion Bible app or I listen to some podcasts. Uh, so if you listen to podcasts, I would tell you to look up the app One Place, okay, one O-N-E, place, and it's just like hundreds of podcasts that they put on there every day you can look through. So I'm just randomly, I see one on love, God's love this week, and I just said, hey, I'm going to speak about love. I'll listen to that, maybe I'll get some ideas. And so I listened to part one, next day I listened to part two, and I thought, okay, scratch outline you already have, we're going with this one. But to think about how to define love in the next ten minutes, the first blank to fill in if you have your bulletin this morning is this, God's love is incomprehensible. God's love is incomprehensible. Let, let me prove that to you. Look, if you want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 3, it's, we're going to go back here a few times in Ephesians chapter 3. 
Paul is praying, he says in verse 14, for he himself, excuse me, uh, for this reason, Ephesians 3, 14, I bow my knees to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, listen to the believers in Ephesus, I'm praying for you, and this is what, I'm, this is what my prayer is, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. And, and so verse 18, look at this. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And, and so Paul says here, I'm praying for you as a believer. You've given your life to Christ. I'm praying that you would completely understand and completely comprehend that God loves you. Maybe this morning you're in here and you've, you've never been in church or this is something new to you. Can I just encourage you this morning that say, God loves you? It's interesting to me that Paul says here, though, I'm praying that you would comprehend how great and how big and how wide and how deep God's love is for you. But look what he says the rest of that. But by the way, it passes all your understanding. Paul, in his prayer that they would understand the depth of God's love, also acknowledges there's no way you can understand the depth of God's love. God's love is too big for us to comprehend. Here's, here's an understanding that if you could explain to me everything about God then he would cease to be God. You see, God's ways and God's thoughts are way higher than my ways and my thoughts. And to think about, I'll be honest with you, I've been married 25 years, and I'm still amazed that Joy decided to love me. Amen. Some of you are pretty amazed too, <laughs> right? But, but that doesn't even compare to the fact that Jesus chose to love me. And Jesus, he knows everything about me. He, he knows those, those things in my head that I, I keep trying to shake. And yet he still loves me. And I can't understand that. Most of my love is based on circumstances. Or most of my love is based on maybe what you do for me. It's easier for me to love you. So for me to, to understand the depth of God's love this morning is it's really impossible. But let's look at the next word. It's, in, it's incomprehensible. The next one, which is awesome this morning to think about, if I can find it. God's love is immeasurable. It's incomprehensible, and it's immeasurable. Let's look at our verse again, Ephesians chapter 3. And he says there that you may be able to comprehend, and he gives us four things here, the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Now, I, I was not that great in school, and I really wasn't very good in math, but those four things added up, if, my, if I remember right, will give you the volume of something or the capacity of something. So Paul is saying here, how can I measure the capacity or the volume of God's love. Can I measure the capacity and the volume of God's love? Uh, Ron Jones says this. This is a guy that, that I stole his outline for this morning. It says, Christmas is God's love wrapped in human flesh, delivered to us in swaddling clothes. So let's try. Even though I've already said God's love is immeasurable, let's try to measure it this morning. Can you, you guys be ready for that? 
And we're going to use the measuring stick that Riley read for us in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So this is not in your notes. I would encourage you to write it down this morning because it's really good. Okay? And it's, I didn't, this is not for me, so that's why I can say it's really good. All right? We're, we're trying to figure out what's the width of God's love. John 3.16, for God so loved the what? World. That's the width of God's love. God loves you. God loves all created people. Rick Warren says, God never created someone he didn't love. I don't believe God created anyone he's not pursuing. The width of God's love, for God so loved the world. What about the length of God's love? He gave his only son. What length would God go to prove his love for you this morning? He sent his son to be born of a virgin in a humble stable. He lived a perfect life, hung on a tree. That's the length of his love for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The next one there is the death of his love. And it says in the next part of that verse, whoever believes in him. What do you, what do you suppose whoever means? Who, who does that include? Everyone. Romans 10, 13, Paul said, whoever calls on him, Lord, shall be What? saved. It's, it's, not, it's not just a thought. It's a declarative statement. Whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. And so we see how deep and how wide the love of Christ is. What about the height? The last part of that verse. Whoever believes will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. We still can't comprehend it, but I think it gives us a little bit of measure of how deep, how high, how wide God's love is for you this morning. The next question, don't you love all the noises in here this morning? You know what it, you know what it says this morning? That silent night is not an accurate picture of, <laughs> not, it's not, that verse is, that, that is not right. Number three, God's love is inseparable. God's love is inseparable. What does that mean? Look at Romans. You can turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. In Romans chapter 8, Paul's talking again about the love of God. And again, I think it, when you put this with Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul is praying, I wish you could understand how much God loves you. And, and, and then he says there in Romans chapter 8, verse number 38. Turn a page here. Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, interesting words, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you realize this morning that once you receive the gift of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ, no one can take that away from you? No one can take that gift from you. It's a gift of God. You, you can do nothing to earn it, and you can do nothing to keep it. Ephesians says that we're sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Christ, comes into you, and he says, this person 
belongs to God. And no one, what Paul is saying here is, no created thing, nothing can take me away from God's love. It's inseparable. Let's look at number four. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. Can you say amen to that? I'm glad that I didn't have to do anything to earn salvation. I'm glad I don't have to do anything to keep my salvation. Listen to this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 through 7. For you are a holy people. This is uh, talking of the nation of Israel. You are a holy people of the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. That's pretty awesome. And it's really a similar picture to us as believers today, that God has chosen us. He uses the same word, that we are a royal priesthood, that we've been chosen before the foundation of the world to be adopted into the family of God. And, and I think about how awesome that is. And, and it's kind of similar here in verse number six. But look at verse number seven. It says, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than the other people, for you were the least of all peoples. And what does that speak to us this morning? That, that I didn't become a follower of Jesus Christ. God didn't choose me because I was some good person. God didn't choose me because I thought, he thought I was something great. God looked at me and he saw a wicked sinner in need of his love and grace. And I'm glad he... You know, I was thinking this morning as, as Stefan talked about, I was thinking about all the kids we're going to have in here today and the noises we get to hear, right? And I thought about Stefan, she said, at, at the old Hallmark location there off 35, when she was eight years old, she gave her life to Christ. And you know what made me think? It made me thankful for all our Sunday school teachers that go in every week and teach our kids to know and follow Jesus. It made me thankful for parents who are committed to bring their kids to church and to Sunday school and uh, even though it might be difficult to tell them to be quiet in church this morning, to suffer through it because they're going to hear that Jesus loves them. Amen. Amen. And none of us deserve that. If you walk away this morning not more overwhelmed with God's love for you, then I've messed up up here today. You see, you didn't earn God's love, and I didn't earn God's love, and I don't have to earn it to keep it. We, because we're wired very conditional loving people, aren't we? Very few people do we love unconditionally if we're really honest with ourselves. It's tough for you to wrestle with that, isn't it? So parents, you remember when your, your kid was born and you, you experienced just just a little bit, you experience the unconditional love that God would have for you. You remember that moment? And God loves you infinitely more than you love your own children. Can I just also tell you, parents, that when you stress and worry over your kids, right, and things that are happening, can, can I just tell you, God loves your kids even more than you do. Okay? Rest, rest in, in God. Listen to these two statements. God's love for you is not dependent on your performance for him. You, you probably ought to write that down. God's love for you is not dependent on your performance for him. I'm, thank, I'm thankful for that. Here, here's another statement that, that coincides with that. You cannot do anything to make God love you any more or any less. 
Think about that for a moment. Because here's, here's the truth. Some, some of us in here this week, we, we kind of messed up, didn't we? Daddy, I messed up, apparently. <laughs> and we know that's true, right? Some of us messed up. And if, if, if God's love for me was based on my performance, I'd be in trouble. I'd be really in trouble. And if I had to earn his love, man, it would, that would not be a fun life. And God proved to me that he loved me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, me included, believes in him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's how much God loves me. And it's not based on my performance. This morning, maybe you walked in, and you don't even, like Advent, I don't even know what Advent is, and Jesus born in a manger, I'm not sure if I believe that or not. I hope this morning that you will wrestle with the understanding what Scripture says, that Jesus came for you, because he loves you. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that he's given to us. Listen to what it says, that we should be called the children of God. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place to pay the penalty of your sins so that you could be a child of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. First, or excuse me, John 1.12. Listen to this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I can be adopted into God's family by placing my faith in Jesus. You can be adopted into God's family by placing your faith in Jesus. When my wife handed me that gift yesterday, by the way, after I opened it, it was this shirt here. I knew why she told me to open it. And I didn't ask why, I just wore the shirt, right? The present was there, it's been there for a little while. And it was mine. It had my name on it. But I couldn't do anything with it until I received it. Until I opened it. And, and so what I want you to understand this morning is that the gift of Christmas, it's not found under a tree. It was placed on a tree. And that gift is available for all. Whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. But here... Here's what you have to understand. I cannot open that gift for you. In fact, funny, funny story. As I was opening that present yesterday, Joy makes a statement. I hope that's the right one. <laughs> so I let her open it for me and give it back to me, right? But here, listen. If, if I could open the gift of salvation for you today, I would come do it for you. But I can't do that. You have to make a choice today. Am I going to believe? Listen to that verse again. But as many as received him, you've opened the gift. You received him. He gave the right to become the children of God. But how do I receive the gift? How do I open the gift? The rest part of that verse says, to those who believe in his name. So the question there on your bulletin this morning, have you experienced or I put in parentheses on the screen here, have you received the love of God? Have you personally opened up the gift of Christmas? 
and receive the gift of love in your life. If you have not done that this morning, in a moment we're going to sing a wonderful song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And when we stand in a moment and we sing, the lights are going to go dim a little bit. A few of us leaders here at the church, we're going to be standing right here at the front and we're going to be facing you. And if you'd like to open up that gift of Christmas this morning, then I would ask you just to walk down here this morning. I know you can do it because we've had quite a few people do that this year. You can walk right down the aisle, you can shake my hand, you can shake one of the ladies' hands, and you can say, I want to open the gift of Christmas. We will only take time here at the altar to show you. We may take you to a private room if you'd like to be in a private place. And, and just, we can explain to you how to open the gift of Christmas. But let me, here's my challenge this morning for you. If you've never opened up that gift of Christmas, you never received, by faith, Jesus. Please don't walk out of that room this, this morning without talking to me or someone down here about it. Amen. It's the greatest present you can ever receive. Amen. The second question on your bulletin this morning is, are you sharing that gift? You know, Riley, her testimony is a challenge for me. Tell your story. Share the greatest gift. It's a gift to be opened, and it's a gift to be shared. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? And just this morning, I want to ask for you to wrestle with those two questions. Have you received the gift of Christmas? And if not, would you have the courage today to walk down here Shake someone's hand and say, I want the gift of Christmas. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place. He brought the circumstances about for you to be here today in this room this morning to hear this message. Don't walk out of here without receiving the gift. Maybe this morning you received that gift. Like Stefan said when she was eight, I received the gift when I was 17. And maybe this morning God just challenged you by the story of Riley. To, you know, God, I need to share my story. I need to tell people how much God loves them because of how much he loves me. And so I would encourage you this morning, just take the time as we sing this song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Maybe it's to come here this morning and just thank God for the gift of Christmas. And, and maybe to commit, God, I'm going to share that gift. God, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you that you have, through the power you, you have restored, you have kept, you have given us your word that we can read about Jesus. We can know about Jesus. God, I pray for those in here this morning that need to give their life to you, that need to open that present, they would do it today. Would you stand with me this morning as we sing? And let's just worship. I know that many of you know this song. Let's just worship together this morning. <laughs>